Hey, this is Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, and today I'm joined by Jason Deer of Ultra Human. How you doing, brother? Good. What's up, my man? How are you? I okay. I just finished a uh, a little bit of a holiday here in Bulgaria for my girl uh, at her parents' place, and so they 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 had this just momentous uh, meal that they that they presented us and I, I had to do my best to resist all the booze that they were that they were that they were shoving at me. <laughs> so, I, so I pretty much said Bulgarians can eat and they can lift. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they yeah, they're 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 impressive in the gym. My my best friend here is a Bulgarian guy and he does this this insane exercise that I've never seen before where he does these push ups and then he puts a bunch of weights on his back while he does these these push-ups just to make the push-ups like like extra intense. That's phenomenal. Yeah, some of these guys, I see a lot of these Bulgarian guys train, but you think about it, they've always stayed ahead of the curve. I don't know if it's something that's adapted early on in life or during a recreational training period, uh, if it's something that's just adapted through uh, sort of these random, unique uh, training protocols that they they start to do. Hmm. Yeah, I'll have to ask him. <laughs> so, so what I'm thinking with this podcast, I put together this this article that's that's quite lengthy and quite meticulous, describing the ultra human <clears throat> protocol. And my 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 thoughts behind this is that good nootropics are not cheap and a lot of people are interested in nootropics and there's there's a lot of people out there that are high performers like you know there are people that are entrepreneurs or they're studying something really intense in school or they're like an engineer that's designing like the tesla car that's going to drive on the moon or whatever and these kind of people are looking at at uh you know pulling out their wallet or pulling out their uh, their Bitcoin wallet and uh, shelling out like like a not insignificant chunk of change on nootropics. And since I've used nootropics for about six years now, I've identified a bunch of different things that if you combine them with nootropics, it really optimizes the ROI that you get on nootropics. So I, so my thought is that like if you're a per, whether you're like a person that's kind of green, new to the idea of biohacking, or whether you're a person that's that's uh, flirted with it for some time, if you really want to, if you really want to, if you've got like a short-term goal, I'm a big fan of like like three-month goals two-month goals, six-month goals. If you've got like a, a, a short, a medium-term to short-term goal like that, if you're going to spend the money on nootropics anyways, on like a good nootropic, then you want to combine it with these other things. And it really is going to be rocket fuel towards whatever it is that people are aiming at. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more, Jonathan. I think like people, uh, people have this idea that uh, they could just pop some nootropics, uh, which is great. I mean, obviously, I'm a huge fan of nootropics, and, and we have our own nootropic that we designed, Tau. But I still think that it needs to be coupled with a very specific training protocol. At the end of the day, if you don't put the work in, 
you just want to sit there and pop pills uh, or, or whatever supplementation protocol that you're on. It doesn't really do anything without putting actual work into it. And how many how many days a week do you use Tau? I only use it about five days a week. Only five. five days a week. I, I mean, you can use it seven days a week, but I think that uh, I think with any product, I don't care whether it's even a, a face wash or a multivitamin or even a greens product, every single thing should be cycled. Um, I also think with nootropics, when you're taking something that's really powerful, you need time to let your body rest a little bit from just the stimulation. Um, you know, when you're taking something that elevates your dopamine, something that actually helps oxygenation to the brain, uh, does have a, a little bit of caffeine in it as well. You do need a, a sort of break off to make sure that your adrenals get some rest. I don't believe the product downregulates your adrenals, but I still think just knowing what we know about science and sort of homeostasis and equilibrium that the body, the body does need to take a break from any sort of supplementation or performance enhancing uh, uh, natural supplement or drug. And those two days that you're off of Tau, what do you usually do those days? Uh, one of the days I might do just some, a little bit of straight caffeine. I'm not a huge caffeine user. I typically maybe do about 200 milligrams a day, 250 milligrams a day. Um, I'll have one day where I completely do nothing. Uh, if anything, if I need an, an more of a natural stimulation boost, I do a lot of teas, big fan of green tea, uh, or I will take uh, some adrenal products just to make sure my adrenals are functioning. Uh, the amount, at, at this point in my life, the amount of, of shit that I've put in my body uh, and still being able to maintain consistently uh, sensitivity to any sort of stimulant, including just raw caffeine, uh, I, I would really accredit it to make sure I take, take time off, you know. Do you find that your, that your diet has uh, a lot of correlation or, or much, that there's much connection between uh, your diet and how you feel nootropics are affecting your performance? 100%. Diet's a big deal. The, the problem is I think diet is just completely misunderstood. And I think, I, think the, I think partially in society right now, people are getting back to doing what uh, is applicable to them. So you remember a long time ago, there were a lot of books and videos about eating right for your type. And uh, taking, taking a step away a little bit from the science of it, just looking at natural biology, everybody functions better off of certain things. So there are a lot of people I know that function better off of uh, moderate carbohydrate diets. There are people that function better cognitively from um, really low carbohydrate ketosis diets. There are people that function better on intermittent fasting diets. Like, there isn't really one solution for everyone. I personally function best taking nootropics on a completely empty stomach. I've been intermittent fasting for years. I've been to function cognitively uh, optimally uh, for, for me personally is definitely based upon uh, waking on empty stomach. The more food I eat, the less better my brain functions typically. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that would be a difference because I I find usually when I do my nootropics uh, on a little bit of food, on a little bit of food in my stomach, it'll it, it makes quite a difference. I recall one time that I did paracetam on an empty stomach and it irritated my stomach quite a bit. Yeah. And I ended up, uh, I ended up actually kind of like coughing up this cloud of, of <laughs> paracetam. And I was like, okay, this, this is not a smart thing. I should make sure that I, that I've got a little bit of stuff in my stomach for the paracetam to hang out with. Everyone's so different. You know, you think about people allergic to everything these days. I think 
I think how people spend and save money, how people do task lists, how people are productive, how people are take any sort of a consumable, whether it's a drug or a supplement, like people really have to invest the time to experiment. Guys like you and I, we've obviously been in the industry for a long time. You know, you're one of the leading experts in nootropics in the world. Um, and you could you could talk to a lot of people and tell them a lot about nootropics and really save them a ton of experimental time. But at the end of the day, um, it's interesting to me that as long as I've been in the game, my philosophy's been the more I learn, the less I know. Um, because, you know, I see people that have sensitivities to green tea uh, or people that take, uh, you know, choline-based products that get nauseous, hupazine, galantamine, things like that. So I think at the end of the day, it still really is a trial and error period of what works best for you. Okay. With, with Tao, do you find, and, uh, and also like talk about, talk about your customer's experience a little bit. Do you find that there's a ramping up period where after people have used it for like two weeks, it has a a different effect on their mindset and their mood than it did the first day or the second day that they tried it. I don't really find that. I think, uh, I think the product consistently performs well, especially if you're just using one tablet a day. I think that if you start to use, this is Tao, by the way, it's got a box that you can take a look at. So, uh, that is a good looking taking, box. Uh, that is a good looking box. So when you take the you take the product and you take it for say uh, you know five days a week seven days a week I think that that's when you'll find consistently optimal results. If you want to if you I think if you start taking the product in double doses triple doses a day and take it for the long term I think eventually you can build up a degree of tolerance to it. There is nothing in here that I think that you would really gain a, a tolerance to over a period of time. So I think you'll find the product consistently works very well. Yeah, L looking at the ingredients, so alpha GPC. Tyrosine, teocrine, huperzine, vinpocetine, L-theanine, B12, uh, green tea. These, these are these are the kind of things that you would that you find in nature. That these are these are the kind of things that are kind of part of that like ancestral diet. So you could anybody could consider their ancestors. A thousand, a hundred generations back, a thousand generations back, ten thousand generations back, all you know, all the way back, almost to when we were, uh, you know, like animals, not very much resembling the uh, what we are now. And these these sorts of things would have likely been, hopefully, been a part of a part of uh, what our biology was uh, processing and turning into the neurotransmitters that it needed. Correct. You know, like um, the idea when, when building Tau, um, and this is a, a really key point, whether, you, whether you're you know, looking at Tau, whether, you, whether you're looking at any nootropics, if you're a beginner in the nootropics market or even an intermediate or expert, I have a really strong philosophy with the market um, of, what, of what you can actually get out there, which is either A, the market is firmly based upon drug-like products like modafinils, Adderalls, Ritalins, uh, people on antidepressants, people on even like 1,3-dimethylene geranium still, or um, which which can be extremely harmful. Like I'm very against the use of Adderall, modafinil. If, you, if you're going to pop one pill, just test it out, that's fine. I think we'd use long-term usage. People are just popping modafinils five, six days a week. Or even some of the racetams like phenoprastam, you just burn out. There are people doing phenoprastam, you know, two, 300 milligrams twice a day, every single day for months on end. Um, and then you've got the more natural nootropics, 
um, that give you a sort of cognitive boost. Like somebody might just use real basic like choline. Uh, some people might use theanine. But then the problem is they don't really get a pronounced effect. So we're left with either a drug or we're left with something that's natural that just doesn't give you that kind of edge you're looking for. So when designing this, um, and again, not to plug this product, whether I was involved in the company or not, I would still be an avid fan of this product because the idea was to make something that gave you a little bit more of a drug-like effect where you could take a product, you could notice an immediate long-term sustaining boost in productivity and mental focus. Um, and it focuses on every pathway of that, but it doesn't have anything that is, is remotely close to like a modafinil uh, or racetam or drug. So the safety of the product, naturally, you can use consistently and use it for a long period of time with no side effects um, and still get the effect you're looking for. It's a very good, happy medium. Mm -hmm. So you have some experience with modafinil. I have tried modafinil before, yeah. And what did what did what did you think of it? I mean, obviously, it's an amazing drug. I don't think that it, the safety of the drug using it, I think, is a good good thing to be taking. Uh, I personally would not recommend anybody using it. Honestly, I mean, if it's something you just want to try one time in your life, fair enough. Two times in your life, fair enough. But I just think that uh, we have to start thinking a lot more about long term longevity when it comes to uh, the usage of any sort of cognitive enhancement products. It's a non-collective drug. I mean, that's that's what it's for. Is, it, there's really main, two main purposes of modafinil. One is to uh, – we don't even really actually know how modafinil works, by the way. This is what's mm -hmm. interesting. All these people – millions of guys taking modafinil. No one can actually tell you. Even a doctor, a lot of doctors cannot tell you it works. There's theories that it lowers the GABA in your brain. I mean, there's a lot of theories out there, but it's designed for uh, narcoleptics or it's designed for people that are trying to adjust to new sleep patterns. Um, but it's a very aggressive drug with a very long half-life. So I personally am not a big fan of adapinal, and I would not recommend it uh, for, for any more than maybe a one or two two-time usage in low dose. Just test it out if you wanted to test drive and see how it felt. Yeah, modafinil is it's a bit of a question mark. I've I've used it quite a bit, and I haven't experienced I haven't experienced uh, any anything that would really make me want to discontinue using it but again with the with the mechanism its mechanism is is unknown it's it's a it, it's a drug that it seems to work pretty pretty effectively for the narcolepsy thing and it also seems to promote focus in a lot of people but they they don't exactly know what the long-term effects of it are and because it's a a novel molecule there's there's no long-term population studies that have been done on it. If you look at like some of these nutraceuticals, they've done studies where they gave these things to people for like 20 years and they monitored uh, a group of people for 20 years and saw, and saw what happened to them. And there's also kind of, you know, you think about something like green tea, people have been using green tea medicinally in Asia for millennia and if there's if there's a negative effect that accrues after you've been using it for like a decade or two or three or more that that would be noted in these nutraceutical type uh, type type things because of these long-term studies because of the 
their usage culturally, but in the case of in the case of modafinil, it's it's a little bit it's a little bit of a question mark. So people should be aware of that that risk that they're taking with them. And I'll also add with with modafinil, there's this there's a downside that I'm well aware of, which is that it has this detrimental effect on sleep. And if you're going to use modafinil, what you really need to do is you need to wake up at like at like 5:30 in the morning and do your modafinil and then work like really really hard and then maybe and then around when bedtime rolls around, you need to maybe do some 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 mild kind of downer type things. Otherwise, the modafinil is going to have this it has this quite consistent effect and I can see this when I use my my sleep cycle alarm that quantifies my sleep quality, it 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 kind of hurts your sleep. So you it, it can be good if you've got like a day that you need to just be really really focused, really really in the zone for I don't know maybe you're doing a web development task or you're doing something that's like a really hardcore logic type task, but you're gonna likely have kind of a, a cost to pay. Um, Whereas if you do a really high quality nutraceutical product, it often often it will have a similar effect to modafinil on on the focus, and it's not so much of a it's not so much of a question mark in the the risk category. Here's, here's my philosophy, and that's what you just said is really brilliant. I think it's a very I think it's a very accurate uh, sort of uh, experience that someone can expect. Um, I think what people need to realize now, when 2018, like technology's changed on every level, how people function, how people do business. Like there's a lot of these people that men and women that are really driven right now, and they just does everything's about hustling and going and go 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 and build a thing, build a fortune and change the world and you know launch all these apps and the speed that we're functioning is insane. So to stay uh, on point in a very competitive market, these guys are using all these smart drugs, but what they're not understanding is what is really the long term effect of it. And I think you're slowly starting to see, because you saw a rise in modafinils and Adderalls in the last maybe 15 years, you're slowly starting to see now like this sort of burnout, fryout period. I see a lot of these guys that are, you know, 35, 40 years old, and they look like they're 50, 55, 60 years old because they are literally so fried out. Their brain is just not working through so much constant up and down drug usage, taken up and taken down and taken up and taken down. And so we're not really cognizant of like the long-term effects. Like, what if you're going to sit, I mean, what if you start taking modafinil when you're 21, 22? Some of these guys are taking it at the age of 15, 16, right? What are you going to take when you're 50, 60 years old? Are you literally going to consume an anti-narcoleptic drug for 40 years? Like, is this your protocol? And that's where like the world, I think, has just lost it right now. Like if you do not get a buzz off of 200 milligrams of caffeine, like your body is jacked up. That's as far as I'm concerned. Any single person should get a buzz off 200 milligrams of caffeine. Otherwise, your adrenals are shot. If you have to take modafinil to function, if you become like reliant on that or Adderall from so much down regulation, like you have a problem. So we need to start thinking about the long-term effects of any of this stuff. Um, I was very particular, not to go back to Tau, but I was very particular how much uh, even choline I put in the product and how much tyrosine I put in the product. I do not want to put somebody in a place where they become reliant on it. Uh, Hoopazine is another one. If you actually look at the research, a lot of these companies are using 200 micrograms, 400 micrograms of Hoopazine a day, and then people are dosing additional, taking it up to 1,000. 
micrograms of hoopazine, it's too high. Like after four to six weeks, you can actually start to see negative connotations from using this product. So we need to start being a lot more careful about the long term of this um, because people are, people are just frying out um, and it's just not worth it. Ultimately, it's not worth it. You know, it's, it's one thing when you are doing damaging things to your body like smoking or, or excessive alcohol consumption or whatnot. It's a whole other thing when you're just killing yourself with uh, nootropics and drugs, smart drugs. Hey man, let me let me ask you what you think about uh, this thing. What I just took before I got on this podcast with you. With it, do you recognize this device in my hand here? Uh, you have to move it a little bit to the left. I can't see it. What's that? Okay, this is nicotine spray. Oh, nicotine spray. Yep. How do you feel? About very it? functional. Nicotine is extremely functional. Nicotine actually. Here's what's interesting about nicotine. Um, I'm very opinionated on nicotine because I believe nicotine is actually an extremely good cognitive enhancement product. Uh, if you were to get uh, like a chew chewing tobacco, uh, if you look at like the original non-bleached tobacco before it was tampered with, I actually think tobacco can be very healthy. The problem is because of all the chemicals, carcinogens, toxins, everything that has been just totally messed with uh, with tobacco now, it's really changed – uh, the health benefits of the product. It just made it ultimately more addictive. So it's for financial benefit to a lot of companies. They, they really tampered with it. But uh, if you were to take away the health risks from the product, um, whether it's the, the natural stuff, which I think is actually healthier, the non-natural stuff, which I don't, the purely from a cognitive standpoint, uh, nicotine is a very good low-grade stimulant. Mm -hmm. I, I like nicotine. Because, well, it's, it's especially appropriate for what I'm doing now because, you know, it's the evening time here and I want to be a bit more stimulated so that I can make this a good podcast for people, but I don't want to really disrupt my sleep. So I didn't do like a bunch of nootropics in the middle of the day. And I find with nicotine, it has, it has about a 90 minute half-life. It's it's really a fast burning a fast burning drug. This is why this is why your friends that smoke they they tend to like to take a smoke break about every ninety minutes. And so I find that if I if I've got a task to do in the evenings, I'll use a little bit of nicotine, and I try to not use it every day. I try to make it a thing that's like maybe maybe like two or three times a week. I'll use it, and uh, boy, it, it really is a pretty good, a pretty good nootropic. And I've I've delved I've delved into the the studies on this, and they're okay. The studies are mostly positive. What what they'll say is they'll say that of course, you know, people smoking cigarettes that's like one of the very worst things you can do for yourself. That's you know, uh, but it's mostly the it's mostly the other chemicals, the other toxins in cigarettes that are causing all the cancer and the emphysema and that the nicotine itself is, is pretty benign. Although uh, looking at the recent meta-analyses and there's, there's been a couple of meta-analyses that have came out in, um, oh, there was a good meta-analysis in 2017 on nicotine. And what they're saying is that there's, there's a slight a slight cancer risk with it. And 
So, so my, my kind of thought on that is that um, I use it very sparingly and then I also have like a ton of other anti-cancer habits that I'm, that I'm really quite disciplined with. You know, I exercise, I'm drinking, like I'm drinking tons of green tea every day. I'm doing uh, the fasting thing. Actually, like actually we're gonna do a fast uh, to, for the next 24 hours because uh, her, her parents just gave us like a ton of food. So we're gonna take 24 hours off of, off of calories so that we can, you know, get a bit of that, uh, get a bit of that uh, apoptosis going in, going on in our system. So, so my thought with, with, with nicotine is that it's, it's, it's probably, it's, as far as safety, it's probably kind, it's probably a bit less safe than something like caffeine, certainly, certainly a whole lot safer than smoking cigarettes or, or vaping nicotine because there's some there's some risk associated with vaping because those little vape pens that people put in their mouths that that make them look so stylish that uh that you know people love to take uh instagram photos of themselves like vaping with whatever is is the most shiny new vaping vaping pen those things uh heat up those things heat up the nicotine and the uh uh glycine the glycine to like 250 degrees. And when you're, when you're heating up those chemicals to that type of temperature, like you just have no idea what it's, what it's gonna turn into. And then you start putting that into your body chronically. And there's, there's some risk there, but my, my view is kind of like, it's, there's a tremendous benefit in the creativity department. So I'm like, okay, as long as I'm really good about my other anti-cancer habits, I can probably indulge this one just a little bit, but but I might I might change my mind on that. I may eventually see a study that makes me that makes me change my mind on that. I think too. With I think when you know we were talking a minute ago about methanol, and we're talking about uh, nicotine now, and I just can't reiterate enough that with anything, I, I don't care what it is, even if somebody is uh, shooting anabolics and using testosterone, that I don't I don't think the majority of these these drugs are really. You're going to be okay if it's a one or two time thing, or if it's a periodic thing. You know, if you drink alcohol, it's a periodic thing. I think in the world, I think the America is the the leading forefront of this, which is just over excess consumption of everything. So you know, a half a modafinil tab once every couple of weeks is one thing, but everybody just we're literally at the point where people are just pounding these things twice a day sometimes in small doses, and they're just doing it seven days a week, three hundred sixty five days a year. They just can't get off of it. Um, and same thing with nicotine is people are smoking a pack a day and they're using the worst possible form of consumption of nicotine versus you're being a lot more cognizant about what you use and how you use it. So I think anything in excess is just bad. You know, I, you've got kind of two ends of the spectrum. You've got people that think, okay, if I eat a non-organic apple, the pesticide on the apple will kill me. Like, no, like the body is a very intelligent tool. Like your body can... Your body can actually detoxify and really process it. It can handle a lot more than we think. It's a lot more rugged than those guys think. The flip side about it is um, there, is, there are limitations where it will start to hurt you. So, you know, hitting a, hitting a vape once in a while, I think, or, or using, you know, uh, a racetam once in a while, or even if you skip a night of sleep once in a while, like some of this stuff, it's going to be okay. I just think it's the excess usage of just eating McDonald's every single day you know, or, or taking uh, some sort of a harmful drug every single day. It's just too much.
it eventually will catch up to you. A lot of people in this day and age have something coming to them. And one interesting fact, Jonathan, I actually just I just heard this. I don't know how, how factual this is. I don't have any sources to cite this, but that the current generation right now, the younger generation is the first generation uh, in history that will not outlive uh, its parents' generation. So we have actually hit this tipping point now where the younger generations are, are actually dying earlier, which is uh, which I find to be a pretty interesting fact. Yeah, I I believe that. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that is talking specifically about North America and about the uh, the quote unquote Western world. I'm pretty sure they're not talking about uh, Okinawa <laughs> in right. that statistic. Correct. So okay, I wanted to talk a bit about productivity here and about this idea of the sprint, and I think. People, when they're spending money on nootropics, they should, that when you spend money on nootropics, you got like this, uh, you got this interim of, it may be like five to seven days from when you plug your credit card details into a website to when the package shows up on your door. And during that interim of time, I really encourage people to think about the, the sprint of what is a short a short or medium term goal that they can have for themselves that they can aim to realistically realistically complete <clears throat> while they're using the nootropic that they've just spent their money on and i i also kind of encourage people to think about um what what they can imagine their life being like and what sort of things they'd like to do after that sprint is over and that having that kind of having that kind of view of what your goals are of what the trajectory is of what you want for yourself that that is like that that will really take this nootropic thing to to the next level um because i do talk to i do you do, you go on reddit and you'll you'll see a lot of people kind of complaining that they're a bit a bit underwhelmed by nootropics. And so I suggest, I, I'm going to suggest something that's kind of unsexy, which is abstinence. And I'm going to suggest that if people are really serious about their productivity and about like getting towards what they want in life, that abstinence is the, is, is pretty key to that. And so I'm going to suggest that people what they do, they have the, the nootropic show up and they start using it and they aim to abstain from all of the things that make them weak or weak, unhappy, or waste them time, waste their time. And so uh, what I'm thinking about is, is like, okay, first of all, junk food. This is probably like, this is probably like the main thing that people really should abstain from. And I suggest that people, especially in that little interim when they're waiting for their nootropics to show up, go and stock up on like healthy snacks and on nourishing, satiating meals. And if possible, get all of the, the crappy food out of their kitchen. Get all the crappy food out of their, out of their uh, field of vision <laughs> as, as much as possible. And then secondly, I suggest that during this, the productivity sprint, that people 
turn off all the shallow TV shows. I suggest that people suspend their Netflix membership, which, which actually I've done this a bunch of times. And if you, it's super easy to go in there and suspend your Netflix auto billing. And what they do actually, if you suspend your Netflix auto billing is a lot of times they give you a free month, like later on, like they want to retain you as a customer, right? So if you suspend your Netflix account, then they'll, you end up getting like, you end up getting some free Netflix out of them. But um, I, I had a Netflix account for a while and then I did this, I did a productivity sprint and I turned off the Netflix and I read like four books and I was like, holy crap, like, like Netflix is such an epic uh, waste of my time and attention. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say this to anybody that's listening right now. And then, you know, you, you you could take take this for what it's worth, but if you really want to make a change, like if you're going to do something, like really do it. I I don't know where we're at in this world, like we're just people are just going around in circles. There's so many distractions anymore with social media and and Facebook and Instagram and Netflix and and all these channels we have all these options, but right now there could not be a better time to be on your game because the world is your oyster. You have all these opportunities. So if you're going to take the step, take the step. If you're going to take the plunge, do it. I don't, you know, I'm, I, I listen to some motivational stuff. I am a big Tony Robbins fan. I think he's, he's really been at the core. I think his stuff is still valid today. And one thing that the guys always said is he's always talked about full immersion and you know what you're, what you're suggesting, Jonathan is really a full immersion approach in this, you know, ultra human protocol. Um, which is if you're going to do it, do it. If you're going to take a nootropic, even if you're going to take a drug, smart drug, whatever, like if you're going to do it, really commit to it, like go all the way. You're suggesting abstinence. That's going to be difficult for a lot of people to do. Um, or you're suggesting, you know, getting away from things like Netflix. Um, and you're suggesting uh, multiple different things. But I think being dedicated and saying, okay, I'm going to invest eight weeks and really do this and get rid of the negativity and zone in and pick and choose things that I really want to improve in my life and do it. It's to make it happen. It's a lot harder than people think. Um, I recently made a decision to quit alcohol uh, for a period of time. I'm going on about six months because um, my background was throwing parties, so I was always constantly around alcohol. And it is not uh, – it's actually been an easy thing for me to do. It wasn't uh, – it has not been as hard as I expected once I gained some leverage doing it and once I really just committed to it. But a rat surrounding me. I'm always around people that are saying, oh, I want to quit. I'm not going to drink this week. And people actually can't make it 30 days without touching alcohol. And it just shows you how minimally committed they are. Or people that want to start a business, they've been talking about it for three years, five years, ten years. They'll never do it. Life is too short. If you're going to do it, do it. If you want to take up a new sport, pick up the racket, pick up the ball. If you want to find a relationship, go out there, start to date. If you want to get in shape, get your ass off the couch, go in the gym. We're all looking for magic products. We're all looking for magic stuff. We're all looking for some savior to come help us out. No one is helping your ass out. Get off the couch. Decide to do the protocol if you're going to do it. It is hard, but the harder it is, the greater the victory. We all know that. You know, at the end of it, you're going to feel a big, big boost of success, and your life is really going to change. If you want to make life change, do it now. With the, with the alcohol thing... I would really just urge everyone listening, if you've never done, if you've never done 30 days off of alcohol, just just try going for 30 days. And it's it's interesting because your like your first week is often 
not all that interesting. Like you, like maybe you go and socialize anyways and you socialize sober and you're like, God, my, my friends are all dumbasses. Um, and, and then maybe like your second week, then you're like, Hey, I've got a bit more money in my pocket. But after, after you've done it for like at least 30 days, you might need to do it for 60 days. You might need to do it for 90 days. You might want to do it for like a whole six months as that time. It's one of those habits that over time it accumulates and you can, you can see how much more, how much more productive it, it makes you. And it also, it also, it raises your standards a bit with the people that you socialize with, doesn't it? I think alcohol does. I think, I think the, uh, the difficult part is actually making the decision to do it and being really committed. But if you're going to go 30 days, you're going to go 30 days. Like I always see these sort of hall pass people, like anybody I know that smokes a cigarette or drinks alcohol or tries to quit something, even if they're on a modafinil, uh, periodic status. I'm quitting modafinil for say 60 days, but then there's always one or two days in there, but I'm going to quit it for 60 days. But on the 27th, I have a big meeting. So I'm going to have to use it then, or I'm quitting alcohol for 30 days, but on the 2nd of January, I'm going to have to have it or I'm quitting in December, but it's Christmas. So you have to have it. There's always these sort of exceptions like committed is committed. End of story. If you're doing it, you're going to do it. If you're going to do pushups, hundred pushups a day, every day for 30 days, you do it every day. You finish the complete the, the process before midnight, uh, whatever time zone you're on, and that's what you have to do. And it is harder. Um, I think that sometimes some people think, but at the end of it, you start to realize that your standards are raised. Um, when you do things like the productivity sprint, which Jonathan is suggesting, which is more of a complete holistic way of uh, life enhancement, because uh, at the end of, say, a two-month period of productivity sprint, you'll probably find that you have more money, greater aspirations, you're in the best physical condition you've been in, your mind is focused, it's functioning as sharp as possible. At the end of that, you'll start to look around and look back at where you were 60 days ago and wonder what you were thinking um, because things, your standards really do go up. It's amazing. You start to really test drive the vehicle that you were given known as your body and mind. Hey, Jason, how do you feel about things like, like uh, Fenibut? I love hate relationship with Fenibut. Again, it goes back <laughs> to the abuse of it. Um, Fenibut is probably, in my opinion, the closest thing you could purchase online with no script to a Xanax. Uh, by far, I think the focus, cognitive focus, and mood elevating effects of Fenibut are excellent. I think the uh, opportunity for abuse of the product is really high. Um, I think if you're using Fenibut any more than one day a week, two days a week, max three, I think you're making a mistake. I think the long term, you will get withdrawals off of it. Um, and I have taken very high doses of Fenibut and got to a point where I literally couldn't keep my eyes open. Um, and it was scary. So I, it, it's a, it's a very aggressive drug. It's a drug at the end of it. Um, GABA is definitely a lot safer, but I can't say GABA works nowhere near as good. Yeah. Fenibut is a hardcore drug. It was developed by the Soviets so that they could give something to the cosmonauts that they could take when like their, uh, Mir space station was coming apart around them because of some disaster in space and the cosmonauts needed to be like a little bit relaxed but also focused so that they so that they didn't uh you know die in the uh in the icy expanse of of space and it is yeah it is a hardcore drug i've talked to i i've heard from plenty of people that have stories about getting addicted 
to it. So it's literally addictive. I mean, that that this is where this is where all these things. Sorry, not to interject, Jonathan, but I think I think to anybody that listens to your shows consistently. And they see how disciplined you are or somebody, you know, might look at me and say, wow, this guy's gone like six months without touching booze. I went through New Year's. I went to a New Year's party on a New Year's Eve and did not even drink the champagne or anything. Right. People look at us and say, well, you're different. Wow. And you guys have it easy and blah, blah. And we're just ordinary guys. Like we're as tempted as anyone. I'm as tempted as anyone. You know, if I start to do snorting cocaine, I might just very quickly and easily become a cocaine addicted freak. Um, but you have to go into these things listening to knowing what you're getting into when you take fenibut you will love fenibut the majority i would say nine out of ten people take fenibut absolutely love the drug and that's what makes it very difficult for people to get off of so it does require a degree of discipline uh, and i go back to even the basic things like caffeine if you start drinking uh wine or you start drinking coffee and you get sort of a buzz or you get a stimulation effect off of one small starbucks you're going to want a medium starbucks you're going to want a large starbucks before you know you're getting two of these you know, 20 ounce Starbucks or espressos every day, and you're just crushing 800 to 1,000 milligrams of caffeine a day, and you, you literally become addicted. So people have to understand the consequences of all of this stuff. Um, enhancement, pure, real enhancement is about being able to self-regulate. You're not truly a machine. You're not truly an, uh, an ultra-human, as, as, as our philosophy with our company. You're not truly an ultra-human until your body can function, still function optimally completely by itself, the way nature intended it to. So some other, some other abstinence things to talk to. And I'll jump here. I'll jump here to my major abstinence thing, which for probably a lot of our audience is like one of the most high leverage things that you can do to really dial into high performance is to go off of the porn and you know let's you know be I, I would i would encourage people to especially the men mostly this is this is a male thing uh porn is really the opium of the male masses in in our era um go go and look at go go and look at the recent science that has been done on porn and and it it has this this amazingly bad effect on our mind it's it's all it's it's like almost like heroin it's it's so awful for for our minds and there's such a significant proportion of the male population that uh that's that's using it like all the time uh quite frequently so like especially whenever whenever i talk to younger guys because because i'm a younger guy and i guess because of my the way i position my brand i end up talking to a lot of younger guys i'm like man do this try to commit to i'm, I'm like hey be honest with me do you look at porn and they're like yeah and i'll be like dude do do two weeks just start with two weeks off of porn and then See how that changes your outlook. See how that changes your motivation. See how that changes your interactions with women. And then try to do try to do a month. And then and then after that, try to go for like try to go for like 60 days or 90 days. You know, you don't. I I don't take like a a really moralistic position on this where I'm like you should try to 
you know, commit to a life of no porn. I don't, I don't quite think that's realistic, but boy, when you, when you go off of it for like, it seems like around two weeks, you really hit like a, like a high point of like productivity and focus and energy, but it, it just makes such a big difference so consistently for men. I, I don't, I don't know how many women have a problem with porn. I presume it's a whole lot, but for, especially for young men, it's like one of the things you can do that just so consistently will, will turn you into a badass. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. Um, I actually am not familiar with the research uh, on pornography, you know, and, and based upon how much it affects you from like a heroin or drug type standpoint. But I do think this is where the world is shifting. You know, it's about how you can get, you know, you think about cigarettes started, cigarettes were put out then, they were just this addictive smoke smelling crazy thing that people just everybody's got addicted to. And same thing with cocaine and everything else. So it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, you see such a massive rise in porn. And then you see sort of this gray area as well with what is actually porn and what's not. So if you look at a typical, you know, you do, you look at all these Instagram models, is that considered a modeling or is it considered <laughs> porn? I mean, back like you think, in the 80s and 90s when Cindy Crawford was a model. Cindy Crawford was a model, and that was what was considered at the time like the upper echelon of just a hot woman. And now it's just ass, TNA, pasties. Like It is just very raw, extreme uh, modeling, I would say, to, to the point that people you know, suggest that it is literally open pornography. Uh, would you agree? Oh boy. I mean, it's, it's so hard to draw that. It's so hard to draw the line between porn and free speech, <laughs> yeah. right? Like I, I'm pretty sure that the, the Supreme court of the United States has like debated that one back and forth. But I like, I'm very specific. Uh, I don't, I don't like follow any of those, uh, any of these Instagram models that are just uh, broadcasting every angle of their anatomy to the to the entire world because i know i know if i have all of that in my instagram feed like that that uh caveman psychology is just gonna draw me you know draw me onto pornhub.com and then my productivity is gonna hit take that take that hit so yeah that's that's got to be like just one of the very most insidious things that that draws energy Mostly from mostly from men. It, I, it would be interesting to find a woman who would I'd be willing to speak about this. I, I don't know if it's a problem for them, but I know for, for us men, because so much of our motivational psychology, so much of our award and arousal system is just, it, it exists for one reason. It exists to get our genes into that next generation. And... Um, it's, 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 it's a thing that's it, it for at least, again, I'm not going to tell people to never look at porn, but I would say do whatever it takes to block it for the duration of the sprint. And you'll be amazed at like the level of productivity that you reach. You just said something really interesting, which is do whatever it takes to block it. I think, you know, if, if you, uh, you know, I have a very strong philosophy about focusing on something because, you know, you talk about, nootropics and you're talking about cognitive enhancement and these protocols and what it really comes down to is one of the most key factors of any single person that's successful in anything in their life whether they're trying to lose weight or start a business or whatever which is how focused you are your focus truly determines 
your success. And in my opinion, quote, focusing on something is really defocusing on everything else. So I think, you know, from the time I get up in the morning, one of the, one of the biggest things I think anybody could do, if you were going to listen to this podcast and take one thing away uh, when it comes to focus or productivity would be wake up in the morning and learn to defocus. Don't learn to focus, learn to defocus, learn to get rid of things. Whether you're trying to quit porn or you're trying to uh, quit uh, drinking, um, you're trying to take your attention away from the drinking. You're trying to take your attention away from what shows up on your laptop or pop-ups or whatever somebody may be messaging you. Because when we get up in the morning, it's a constant inbound of information. Um, I tend to be a late-night guy, so I go to bed really late. I tend to get up later than the average person. When I wake up in the morning, I have all these text messages and emails, and I'm immediately on the defense um, and, and become very reactive. So a lot of businesses and people tend to hit you up for whatever that may be. And then all of a sudden you're just constantly responding to stuff, clicking, clickbaiting, clickbait, clickbait. And uh, that's what really kills, I think, productivity. We have to start becoming a lot more offensive about what we're doing. What other things do you do in the morning that you think are conducive to focus? I think the first, I think uh, if you are a typist or you're a person that writes a lot of content or produces something, I think one of the most important things you can do once you get up is to, before you get into any emails or texts, immediately get the one or two things you want to get done, get those done and taken care of. Uh, the second you start to get into a lot of micro uh, productivity things, uh, or I should say micro tasks, um, I think it immediately distracts you and starts you off with the wrong wrong path of the day. I do, I'm do. i a strong believer the first 10 to 15 minutes of your, of your morning really affect how the rest of your day works. Do you do any of the kind of things that like Tim Ferriss was talking about where he uh, sits down and writes? Absolutely. Like, yeah. Okay. In, in the beginning of the day? I think in the beginning of the day, I think is an optimal time to write. Now, again, going back to like what we discussed with diet, I think every single person is different of when they feel their best. So I have actually do my best writing either first thing in the morning or I do it last thing at night. So it's immediate. It's like a sandwich right before I go to bed. I'm writing or right in the morning and I go to write again. When you really think about it, um, if you if you actually talk to most writers, this is where they experience the most success. And that's because they don't have the distractions. It's not some magic thing or some astrology or something that I believe is genetic as much as it is. You get up in the morning. You haven't been around you know, all of these notifications and all of the technology for a period if you slept eight hours. So you've gone eight hours without that. And now you've got all of this BS that's hitting you. So you can clear mindedly focus on what you what you need to. You're, you're immediately defocused at the end of the, the end of the day. You have a similar experience where everything you've needed to get done is done, uh, whether you need to grocery shop or clock in and out of work or deal with your kids, whatever that is, everything is taken care of. Everything is defocused, and now you can very calmly get in a good flow state of, uh, of typing or creativity or problem-solving, maybe, if that's the case. I'll share one of the – one of actually my best life hacks for focus and for flow state, which I mentioned in the Ultra Human Protocol, which is music. And there's, there's some specific types of music. Uh, notably, notably, like electronica, uh, like electronica without any without any words in it, algorithmic, algorithmic electronica, and uh, classical 
music. And I use, I use, okay, there's one piece of software that I really like that's called Brain FM that does this really cool focus promoting algorithmic music. And people, people can check that out. I'm pretty sure they have uh, a free trial thing that, that people can check out. And then there's also on the internet, you can find all these different tracks of algorithmic focus promoting music, or you could just go and listen to some classical music. But that has uh, a re that's one of those things that has a really consistent effect on focus for a lot of, not for everybody, people have to experiment a little bit, but for a lot of people, if they, if they start their day with focus promoting music, that really promotes that, that hyperfrontality. What it, what it kind of does when you're listening to some music that's not very, so I'm, I'm really not talking about like the, the, the latest uh, Drake album or, um, or actually, actually, no, actually I take that back because the, the latest Drake album was like pretty good. It was like really melodic and it was kind of relaxing. That might actually be good, but I guess I'm thinking a bit more about probably the latest Eminem album. <laughs> probably the latest Eminem album is not going to be conducive to focus, but when you're listening to music that it, it gives your, it gives the part of, it gives a certain part of your mind like a little task to do of processing the music and that allows for the creative part of your mind to get more focused on the page that is, that, that is a front, of, that is in front of them. So I would, I would really encourage people to, to try, try doing this again. It, it's not for everybody. It's one of those things that some people it works great for, some people it's not so great for. But if you haven't tried it, start your morning with like an hour of just listening to focus promoting music, and it really might transform your mindset into like this, this state of relaxed arousal where you're coming up with really great creative stuff, you're in a good mood, you're not worrying about all the things that you should be worrying about. I totally agree with you, Jonathan. <clears throat> I think that the, I think music is actually the most underrated tool um, out there that is a quick, easy tool that any single person right now, if you're listening to this, you can go download a piece of music at a certain beats per minute and find that it actually puts you in an unbelievable flow state, can increase energy, could relax you, could get almost like a natural upper, a natural downer. It can really boost creativity. I have certain tracks. I even have a track actually that I consistently listen to from 2007. I have somebody gave me the CD. Um, a DJ actually built the CD and it's a very, very methodical kind of piece of music. I probably listen to this. I burnt this thing out. I've tried it out so many times uh, from listening to it, but um, I'll listen to the CD. Sometimes it's, uh, it's downloaded now, but it's probably about 58 minutes, 60 minutes long. I've listened to this thing sometimes two, three rounds in one shot. And it just puts me in such a good flow state. With that said, um, with music putting you in a good flow state, I do think flow state is the most, single most important thing somebody can master for their productivity. The the track you're talking about, can you send that to me? I can send it to you, yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Is, is it like Electronica? It is. It's like a very deep house. Ah, uh, okay. Kit. 
Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll add that. I'll add it's a deep house. They do uh, do listen to a lot of uh, electronica, fast-paced electronica. Big fan of like Above and Beyond. It's really good. I've been Above and Beyond CD back forever. That's really great. But uh, you know, some people have to find their own stuff. I don't think that listening to typical top forty pop, um, hip hop, metal. I mean, some of these things. I used to listen to a lot of metal and rock. I love rock and metal. I do think they're great. Yeah, you go work out on them. Maybe you're driving. Maybe you just enjoy some good tunes. And maybe they remind you of something in the past. But when it comes to true productivity and functionality, I do not believe anything can beat uh, electronica or trance music with no words in it. Because you see, the, when you listen to, for example, like, look, I, I'm, I like Taylor Swift. I'm a Taylor Swift fan. Okay, she's great. She's <laughs> awesome. Okay, you listen to Katy Perry. You listen to Lady Gaga. You listen to any stuff. And every time you listen to a track, you might be thinking about something. You might be thinking about uh, a day you had in the park with your boyfriend or girlfriend, or you might be thinking about something else. But or you're singing the lyrics about how somebody broke your heart. If you listen to a country song, but the advantage of listening to electronic and trance music is it allows you to uh, to have really nothing specifically to think about other than really your current situation. So I think a lot of the time, <laughs> putting you just almost in this rhythmic beat, almost like when you go back to like the Native Americans, you used to have a very specific tempo. That they would beat drums, and it would put them in like almost like a trance. Uh, it allows you to really merge your your uh, your brain into a path of of where it can problem solve and be an optimal creativity. Um, I do. I think when you listen to a lot of trance, sometimes I don't think you're very good socially. I think that's probably the one negative side of it. But for getting work done, I think there's nothing like it. You're, you're, you're not escaping the world. You're actually dialing into it. Uh, I think that's the, the biggest mistake people make. They're, they're always taking stuff to escape. They're always listening to music to escape. Think about something else instead of focusing on the present and what we really need to be working on trying to achieve. Jason, do you use this app, Coach.me? I do not use Coach.me right now. Okay. You're familiar with it, though? A little bit, yeah. I understand it's coaching software that can really kind of keep, keep track of, of ultimately what you're doing. Keep you responsible, mm -hmm. I should say. Keep you held mm -hmm. uh, held liable for your efforts. I'm I'm a big fan of this type, type of app. B people can find alternatives to this. This is just the best that I've found. If people are going to do a, a sprint thing, they really need to quantify it. Because if you're just if you're just kind of keeping track of things in your head, you're that, that's probably not going to be sufficient. And it's kind of it's kind of fun to to on a daily basis to log or to like check in and to get like a little bit of a representation, a visual representation of the progress that you've made. And this app I really like because it. Uh, yeah, it gives you this uh, this little calendar. It has a couple of ways that it does it, but it gives you this little calendar that shows you the progress that you're making. And it, and over time, it shows you the number of days that you've made it, the number of days that you've been on a uh, hot streak. Um, and like that gets that gets like really motivating. Like for example, my my girl here, she. Uh, wanted to quit smoking, which is like, that's something that like so many people fail at, right? Like it just has an abysmally bad failure rate. So we, we sat down and we talked about it and we talked about, you know, what are the uh, smoking strategies that, 
are usually work the best for people. And then she got on this app and I was looking at it the other day and I saw that she'd made it like, like uh, 90 plus days without, without a cigarette. And I'm like, wow, that's, 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 that's like, that's really good. I'm quite, quite proud of her. <laughs> I think that software like that, that um, easy, software like that can be a genius tool. Um, this would just be my opinion. I don't know, Jonathan, if you'd agree with this, but I think you, I think you sometimes also have to be really careful with, with certain things. Not for everybody. This is just for me. I'm, I maybe represent maybe two percent or five percent of the populations is like this. So I would strongly, strongly recommend that anybody try an app like that and start using. It. I think you'd find benefits. Now, if you are in the five percent of people that tend to stay connected to something and feel the pressure of something more of the pressure of something with an app like that you might find that it does not work as well so my first choice would be recommend trying trying an app um i think sometimes like for me for example with uh quitting alcohol i had i had better success with alcohol not actually paying attention to how long it's been because then i feel like i'm staying connected it's almost like i'm corded to this idea that I've quit versus just completely erasing the, the anything of even knowing it. It's like a nulling alcohol out of my brain and out of my life versus constantly saying, okay, I've gone another day, I've gone another day. And almost every day I'm reminding myself that I'm stopping alcohol versus just living it. So I think it depends on the person. Uh, and again, just to reiterate, I think 90, 95% of people do really well with it. I think there are 5% of people, 10% of people out there that uh, don't want to be connected to such a specific system. Yeah, pe people will have to try and uh, and see and see see what it works for them. Some people some people do best by having. Some people really need tactile. They really need a uh, a tactile quantification of their progress. So they really need like a calendar on their wall where they're like xing out days as they're going. But there's uh, yeah, you're probably you're probably in the minority because I think I think most people. They it really helps them to um, have, especially nowadays where people we're also accustomed to using our smartphones and using our technology in our lives. That if you can get that technology doing something good for you, then it's it fits with your uh, with, with most of our general kind of like hybrid digital experience. Do you uh, do you have any thoughts on this on the Pavlock device? I was looking at that on the internet the other day. Yeah, it's funny. Well, uh, let me let me come back to that one second. Just regarding what you said, yeah, I do think I'm in the minority with it. I just wanted to address that in case if you are the five or ten percent of people out there, you do have to find really systems that do work best for you. I think that the idea of technology being able to to actually quantify and give you some sort of digital readout of really where you're at is really important because people have just this miffed idea of of what they really look like and how, who they really are. Where this, I think the United States is just, the world is really in just a massive identity crisis, right? So people have <laughs> a larger than life experience. There are, you know, guys and girls out there that could be really, really attractive that just think that they're really ugly. There are people out there that have, you know, all of this money and that they think that they're, they're broke and oh my gosh, they can't even eat because the stock plummeted 3%. So we need to really start looking a lot more at facts in 2018 and what the reality of stuff is. And I think that sometimes uh, these programs that you're talking about, Coach, can keep you 
on a very specific path of like, okay, this is really where you're at. This is how long you've gone. This is to the day, to the hour, to the minute. And um, you can you can lean on something that is not so subjective. Um, so with that said, going back to the Pavlok, I believe that this was the, the tool that was shown on Shark Tank by a guy mm-hmm. that, that actually got completely rejected. And uh, I don't watch Shark Tank. It would just happen to be one of the episodes that I – I was flicking channels and tuned in and saw it. I am I am actually a fan of that type of equipment. Um, a lot of people are not, or they think it's some. They just think it's a scam. But the truth is, is that it works. I mean, some of these things like being disciplined or being a little bit aggressive. I think they're a little bit quirky. I don't think you should have to have a tool like that. But kind of like the coach thing. I think if you try it, it works for you. Like, why the hell not? Yeah, it looks really cool. I'm trying to think what I have pretty good habits already. I I don't have any really, uh, really atrocious vices as is. So I'm not sure exactly what I would use it for. My my kind of thought, my kind of thought on things like Pavlok is I would encourage people unless people know that they're willpower is just absolutely shot. Like there's, there's some people out there, you know, self, self-knowledge is a good thing. And so there's some people out there that have enough self-knowledge that they know that they, that they're will that they're just hopeless in the willpower department. And for, for those kind of people, I would say like Pavlok is, is maybe your, your only hope. However, the, the majority of people will find that if they use a good nootropic, and if they use just a couple of the biohacks that we've talked about here thus far, not even all of them, but if they just do a couple of the things that we've described here alongside of a nootropic, their their self-control is going to like double or triple. That's that's just one of the most consistent, pleasant effects that nootropics have. Yep. Yeah, if you look at somebody that um, – what's the drug that people take? When they get off smoking, is it Wellbutrin? Wellbutrin, right? Well, that's alcohol. The, I think when you get off alcohol, uh, like... the, there there was another one. I had a German buddy that took one that was that was awful. It was so terrible. He broke up with his girlfriend. It was so bad. It's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. So I, I think that this is what we tend to do. Is like in order to achieve this, and now we're going to do that. So now, like in order to quit eating McDonald's every day or abstain from something, now we need this Pavlok. Uh, mechanism to stop us from doing it. Now we are now building this fear inside of us and we are becoming reliant on the Pavlok. Same thing now, maybe somebody's trying to quit using, again, excuse me if I, I, I'm not accurate on this, whether it's a, an alcohol or a cigarette, I believe it is an alcohol, but now you're taking Wellbutrin and uh, all of a sudden you are now becoming reliant on the Wellbutrin because if you don't take the Wellbutrin, then you will slip and fall into this path of destruction, right? So you are equally weak. Every single time you're relying on something that is um, a mechanism, a digital piece of equipment, or something, you really are weak. And like, can you survive? Like, can you actually survive without your phone for a period of time? Can you survive without your phone for a week? Can you survive without any drugs for a period of time? Um, can you survive without eating junk food? Or in your protocol, you had mentioned, Jonathan, talking about abstaining from pornography for a month. Like, it, It's not just about like white-knuckling it. It is extremely empowering to take on these challenges and know, like, with this one body, mind, and spirit that you were given, like, what you can actually achieve. 
So I strongly encourage people uh, to really harness their, like as we call it, harness your inner da Vinci or your inner ultra human and really really take up some of these challenges and do it. If you're going to do it, do it the right way. Um, I would agree with you. Obviously, like I mentioned, I'm a big fan of the nootropics, you know, not to, not to shamelessly plug my product here again. But, uh, you know, you can use stuff like this and uh, like Tau um, and even like Arminos and Ketone products and find that it just helps get kind of get you going a little bit and put you in a good state of mind. Couple that with a lot of these productivity tips that we're talking about. Get up, in, Getting up in the morning, doing your writing first thing, eating a lot cleaner, avoiding the pitfalls of being too connected to social media, uh, meditation, um, using your coach app that you had uh, mentioned. When you put all of these into effect, the end result after 30 days, 60 days is just being fully engaged and being fully empowered by yourself. And I think your self-respect and your, your standards just go through the roof. Okay. I, I want to talk about the, the amino stuff and the keto diet. But um, first, first, I want to talk about kind of like another really insidious problem with modernity, which, which I think we can make up for with, with proper, proper biohacking, which is this, this effect that technology and the internet has on our working memory. So for people that don't know, our working memory is like the RAM of our mind. That's the part of our mind that does problem solving, that does math, the part of our mind that if you do anything technical with computers or websites, with web development and programming, that's that that particular part of our mind. And I read this this fairly alarming book recently called The Shallows. Have you ever heard of this book? I've not heard of it now. Okay, it was called The Shallows, and it was a uh, a researcher and a scholar that was looking really methodically at all the different uh, studies that have been done on how internet usage affects affects our mind, and it's it's really it's really quite alarming because the the internet usage is having this is having this effect of shortening our attention span and the book is called the shallows because what it does is it it makes our our thinking capacity so much um so much less deep and so much less able to to follow a train of thought you know if if, if you look at okay everything that we appreciate about the world and everything that all of the tremendous privileges that we have as modern people living in a uh, living in functional living in a functional civilization things like uh, democracy and human rights and civility and a free market that works to deliver us all manner of like spectacular things that we need and desire. All of that, all of that works because these people, because people that were honestly better than us came before us and they thought very, very deeply about problems and technology and science and human nature they thought very they they sat there in you know a darkened room with a flickering camera and they wrote and they wrote and they wrote and they went or they did uh, experiments in a laboratory or whatever and they went re and they followed a linear 
trail of thought down this deep, deep path. And they came up with, you know, all of these brilliant things that make, that, that make the world a pretty good place. And the instant satisfaction delivery mechanism that is Google and Facebook and YouTube and, and everything else, those just uh, hamstring that human, that human brilliance. And so what I'm, what I recommend to people is a, a working memory regimen. Um, is this, you, you've, you've probably, you're probably familiar with the idea of working memory regimen, right? I am. And, uh, my apologies to you, Jonathan, but, uh, I am actually very familiar with the shallowest book. I didn't, I didn't recognize it when you just mentioned it to me. I just wasn't familiar with the name of it, but, um, I, I've actually done a series of seminars specifically on what you are referring to, which is how society's mind is being shaped, not just by the internet, but by, by technology as a whole, and how we are shortening this sort of span of attention. Um, it's creating a lot of issues, but it's making it uh, easier for, for marketing companies to sell people products to just basically take their attention. So the level of deep thought in society is just completely nosedived. But uh, I don't want to interject. I just wanted to let you know that. I'm a huge fan of what these guys have obviously, uh, I, I wouldn't say written because I haven't read it, but I'm a huge fan of what their message is. Yeah. What was the name of the seminar on that? Uh, there were a few of them. We had one called uh, Unleash Your Inner Da Vinci. And then I did a series of uh, seminars called Break the Rules. And it was really oh, about, uh, okay. Break the Rules was really about uh, doing things very differently than what people think that they should do them. You know, after spending a lot of time with some of the top CEOs out there, um, and some of the most productive people, I really find that how people how people operate at a really high level, it's very different than what society deems that they do. Um, so problem solving really comes from this very, you know, one of the probably about a quarter of the seminar was based on this is, is really how to to think deep. So we would talk about, you know, meditation and going on long drives or long hikes or whatever to be able to get further and further and further into the problem to, to solve the root of it and the why. Um, nowadays, uh, because of shortening the span, you know, we'll sit there and be thinking about something and we'll get, uh, we're, we're actually, uh, affecting our senses now. So if you think about every possible sense we have, we have a phone that will vibrate and it will, uh, it'll distract us, uh, very much like the Pavlov mechanism that you're talking about. And with the vibration, we'll get like this sort of touch sensation. Then we will get a sound notification and that will sort of shorten our span because we've heard something. And then now we have strobes on the phone. So the strobe will go off and that'll affect like our visual. So we're affecting our visual, uh, our auditory, and then also our physical sensory as well. And we're just constantly shortening this span of how long we can, uh, how deep we can think and it's really affecting everything from our buying patterns to our relationships to our communication ability. It's a nasty, nasty thing that's happening. And it's only getting worse. And we can stop it if we want to. The problem is, again, we don't have the discipline. Like the majority of people just don't have the discipline, or, nor do they really care. It's too easy. It's too rewarding. We have this sort of reward mechanism that just continues to go around in circles and praise it. If, if you go on YouTube and you look up this, this problem of, of the the shortening of the human attention span, you'll find all of these, all of these really engrossing conspiracy theories about this, all of these, all these different conspiracy theorists that are like, it's 
the 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 elites the rockefeller's the illuminati's they're trying to they're trying to enslave humanity with this technology that is that is uh you know disabling the natural human brilliance and it's i i don't i don't know i don't know if that's the case that that might be the case it it, it might be the case that there really is some like extremely devious cabal of uh individuals that are that are for you know profit seeking to enslave enslave humanity by this technology that seems to do such a good job of making our minds so much less than what they could be but the the the, the bottom line is that if if you want to have a great mind you need to take steps to combat that um and one of my one of my favorite is this software that I just mentioned to you, the the dual and back. And you you haven't played with this yet, right? I've not played with dual and back yet. Okay. So this is this this is this brain game and you can play it on iPhone, Android or on your computer and it's not the most exciting brain game. What it's composed of is a visual and an auditory piece of information that it gives you. There's kind of like a, a square with a grid with positions on it. And then there's this little face that jumps around the grid. And each new position that it jumps to, there's like a word or a letter that it says to you. So it gives you a piece of visual uh, auditory information along with a piece of visual information. and what you have to do is you have to remember where it was previously and you have to remember the audio and the visual piece of information. So it exercises the audio visual capacity of your working memory. And it's pretty easy, as you can imagine, it's relatively easy to remember just those two pieces of information for two back, which is, which is uh, two positions ago. But once you accurately are able to do that the the game has a pretty good little algorithm where it advances your it advances the number of positions back that you need to remember this piece of audio visual uh information so in my case the highest score that i've reached on it is seven back so that means that i'm forcing my mind to keep a hold of seven different, I'm sorry, 14 different pieces of audiovisual information simultaneously. And it every second, every second, it moves to a brand new, it moves to a new position and it gives you a new piece of audio information that's, and there's, there's no association between the audio and the visual. It's, it's all it's all just random. So it's, it's not very fun. To be honest, it's, it's kind of an arduous uh, cognitive task. It's, it's not fun like some of the longevity brain games were, are, but it is a really good exercise of the working memory. And it has, it, it, what it does, it does this interesting thing too. There's a particular mode you can put it on where it gives you what's called emotional interference what it does with this emotional interference is the little face that it shows you 
is a, it'll be either like a sad face or a happy face. It shows you all these different expressions on the face. And then the words, it will show, and then it'll show you words along with that, which will be occasionally emotionally charged words. Like it'll say like hat, duck, car, rape, firefighter, um, uh, vacation like that. So it gives you like some emotionally charged words. And according to the, the human trials that have been done on the software and it's had, it's had a number of human trials done on it. And, uh, there's a, there was a recent meta analysis that was done on it where what had happened, you may have heard of this with Lumosity. Lumosity was sued not that long ago because they were making these advertise they were making these advertising statements saying that like lumosity improves your memory they're listing all these different benefits that it had that weren't really demonstrated really well in clinical trials and i think the fda sued them for 50 million dollars they they really whacked them pretty hard so there was a meta analysis that was done on the human trials of dual end back where they wanted to say that where they were like, okay, we really want to address the, the skeptics, the, the, the people that would be skeptical of dual end back as a working memory enhancement tool. And what they found, okay, what they found in the meta analysis where they analyzed uh, a number of other human trials was that it had enough, it had a, um, a placebo controlled effect that was greater than Prozac. Um, that it beat, it beat Prozac, it beat a, a bunch of other, like uh, a bunch of other drugs that are, that are, that are like kind of like mainstream, mainstream drugs. It beat them in the placebo controlled department. That's outstanding, man. And I would definitely believe that. Um, I think I think the the overall perspective is that we are just we've completely shortened uh, with everything like how a mind really works. And when we actually can stretch it out a little bit and really use the power of our brain the way it's supposed to be used, like like naturally supposed to be used biologically, um, it's amazing the effect that it has. If you've actually gone and really spent time in nature, spent away time time away just by yourself or you go on, a, on, a, on a, a vacation, maybe you even just get a little bit of rest and peace and quiet. It's amazing the effect that it can have on just even your state of mind and your happiness. So I think like, uh, I think um, that we almost have to take active steps now to reverse what's happening to us. Um, we either create a lifestyle that we can avoid it um, or we create uh protocols such as uh the dual system and you can you know now train your mind to almost reverse it's uh, a shallow mechanism or shallow thinking i should say i hate to use with shallow thinking but i think you you understand what i'm reiterating that that, that book the title of that book cut uh describes the problem so concisely that yeah yeah it's it's making it's shallowifying shallowifying our brains. Okay, let's let's talk about keto stuff. And this is something that I think you actually know a bit more about than myself. Do you uh do you do intermittent daily fasting 
every single day or do you do it a couple times a week? I don't really think about it so much. I think like that there's this uh, such this uh, protocol that it's exactly 16 hours and it's the exact size. I literally eat when I, f- I feel like my body is really hungry to eat. And sometimes I can go uh, – I've gone as long as, you know, an entire day with no food, like with no problem. Or, you know, I can easily go 20 hours without food. Sometimes, you know, for just uh, just a lack of time or just convenience, sometimes I'll just fast for a period of maybe 10 hours or 12 hours. So I pretty much always eat breakfast. I do not eat breakfast. I don't feel good on breakfast. It's just the first thing as soon as I wake up in the morning, I think the digestive system needs to slowly wake up. I don't think the I think the body just generally needs to slowly wake up, wake up especially if you're in a deep sleep. Um, but I pretty much get breakfast every day, and for the most part, uh, daily I will I will typically go sixty a minimum of sixteen hours without food. Uh, just naturally, it's just become a natural thing to me anymore. Not something that I've conscious consciously uh, tried to do. It's something that I just do because my body feels best on it. Okay, what would you say to people that? think it's a good idea to to snack all the time or do a lot of do small meals all day long i'm going to go back to i think if you, if you feel good on it definitely do it there's nothing wrong with it i mean you know 10 years ago 20 years ago like it was really a big deal to be eating small meals a day you might remember like bill phillips and buddy for life and they were saying oh you gotta eat five small meals a day or three square meals and you'd have like two snacks and all this like there's a lot of merit to that kind of like a, you're feeding your body that way I don't think necessarily it's the way biologically we, we were supposed to eat, but I it, it's tough to say because people have had so much success on it too. So we, you know, everybody's so opinionated that the only way to do stuff is to eat one meal a day now. Back then, the only way to do stuff was eat five meals a day. You got these bodybuilders that eat nine meals a day, eleven meals a day. Um, I just think uh, I think it's really what works best for you, ultimately. I think that uh, fasting can can lead to a lot of uh, things like anti-aging benefits. Maybe I think that if you're in the process, if you're if you're taking a massive amount of maybe anabolic steroids, uh, and you're in the process of trying to go into more like this just massive anabolic state of, of bodybuilding, you are probably going to be better off eating five meals a day. It really depends on what you're trying to do. And did you? Was did you find it difficult to transition from being like a normal person that eats breakfast to doing this this fasting thing where you're depriving yourself for a significant proportion of your day? I think that we always have to look at. Let me go back to the original beginning, okay? And this is for some people, your beginning is today after listening to the show. Some people, your beginning was 20 years ago. Some people haven't got to the beginning of whatever that may be. So maybe you're learning to speak a new language. Maybe you're learning to save money. I don't know what you might be doing. But we, you have to really get to a point where you do what feels best. I did not – I started doing – skipping breakfast uh, back when I was in high school, realistically. That's when I started. I would just wake up. I noticed I wasn't hungry. I forced myself to eat, and then I would skip breakfast, and I would skip breakfast again. And then once I got out of high school – I would just find naturally that I would wake up every day. I would go to work. I would do what I had to do. You know, I was in college at the time a little bit, and I would, you know, for two years. And I just never, I never really found that I felt good on something. Like, I would say just as as a person, just as a friend of yours, Jonathan, like I've always tried to focus on what works best for me Um, physically and mentally, what feels best. If I, I don't feel good on certain foods. 
I actually have a, a bad reaction when I drink coffee. I don't know why. You know, I, I don't always have to know why and always go get an allergy test. If I don't feel good on coffee, I don't drink coffee. Um, if I don't feel good on certain foods, if you eat pizza and you feel like crap on pizza, or if your sinuses flare up from eating cheese, just don't do it. So over time, I just started this natural trend of skipping breakfast and not eating until later in the day. And now, you know, you see all of this stuff coming out with intermittent fasting. But it's really not revolutionary. There's millions of people out there that have been doing it, like myself, for many years because they just feel better on it. Um, their, their mind is sharper, and it goes into more of a, a hunting state uh, when you're a little bit hungry. Your body's designed to elevate certain chemicals to make you a better hunter uh, to be able to go out there and, and, and hunt and kill and gather. So obviously to me, um, if, you, if you're doing work in the morning on an empty stomach, I don't think it's, I don't think it's mostly the cognitive, uh, cognitively beneficial way of, of functioning, but some people like it. And I'll, I'll give people a little bit of the neurobiology of the intermittent fasting. So there's, there's a book, if, if, if there's any like mitochondria nerds out there that are interested in like what is the cutting edge of mitochondria science, because it's mitochondria science can be a little bit overwhelming to follow. If you, if you go on PubMed and you look up mitochondria studies and papers, there are so many coming out. And there was, there's a guy, as far as I can tell, the, the researcher that's most on top of this is this Canadian guy named uh, Dr. Lee No. And he just recently published this book called Mitochondria and the Future of Medicine. And so I've been reading his book and I, I was following a couple other things he was talking about. And he, as you can imagine, he's a huge fan of the intermittent daily fasting and doing like doing the like 24 hour fasts um, sporadically, like like maybe like once a month and then doing like a two or three day fast a couple times a year. And his, his explanation is like, okay, so what we understand about mitochondria is that kind of, kind of like us, uh, mitochondria poops. It, it takes in, it takes in its energy. It takes that, it takes in its fuel that it needs for that ATP process to occur. And then it poops out these free radicals and these free radicals cause all sorts of different problems in our system and and to to uh describe his his philosophy on intermittent daily fasting when when you feed your when when people are feeding their body things all day long like they're snacking or maybe they're a hardcore athlete and they feel like they need to have calories coming in all the time their their mitochondria is pooping all the time i'm, I'm sure people have a you know pleasant visualization of what i'm describing right now and this, uh, and so they get this excess of the, they get this real excess of these antioxidants, which is called uh, the ROS, the reactive oxygen species inside of their, inside of their cell. And so you can do, people can do all these really, all these really uh, hardcore biohacking things and supplements to clean up all that ROS, like they can do, uh, like people can use a bunch of CoQ10, people can use, uh, what is it called? Uh, what is the really hot thing right now? Uh, riboside nicotinamide, they can use things like that. They could take like a lot of these kind of supplements to like really clean up a lot of that ROS, or 
what they can do is just eat eat less food and it puts your body into this uh, this ketogenic state where your body's running for most people for most people not for everybody but for most people it runs a whole lot more efficiently when you're doing the caloric deficit thing for like 16 hours a day and then the other eight hours of the day you got mostly healthy good fats going into the system so maybe you know I'll maybe mention that book because there might be people are so into mitochondria nowadays I think we kind of have Dave Asprey to thank for uh, popularizing that yep what is I mean overall in your experience I mean I have my opinion about ketogenic diets again pluses and minuses to both I mean we have a keto product I'm gonna grab a snapshot of this so you can see it is our keto plus MCTs which I'm a huge fan of uh, we actually let, use let a, me see the let me let me see the inside I want to see let me see the inside I'm curious oh this one's actually closed let me see if I have a, <laughs> I'll grab you one here that's open I'll okay. have to grab you one that's open but it's just straight powder it just looks like white powder inside um, we could definitely post all the supplement facts and all that stuff on your site so people yeah. can check it out. But it's just straight white powder. What, I mean, what does it taste like? Tastes unbelievable. We actually sweeten this with only stevia, monk fruit. That's it. We use all nat natural, like uh, natural flavorings, colorings. All of our colors is from beet extract, so it's about as clean as you can get for a ketogenic product. We use all four ketones as well. So we use the potassium, magnesium, sodium, um, and then we also use a magnesium, and then we also use the uh, pink Himalayan salt, and we use C8 MCTs pure. So not to not to plug that. Obviously, I'm just mentioning that because we're I'm a huge fan of uh, people uh, testing ketogenic diet and see how they feel on it. The nootropic effects of ketogenic diets are amazing. The uh, uh, effect of a lot of people when it comes to uh, resting their their insulin levels and pancreas levels, and also really generating like you had mentioned the mitochondria mitochondria generating like a massive amount of of uh, output of energy is through the roof. A lot of people feel such a, a, a wave of energy, even not on a ketosis diet, by just taking ketones because it's such a preferred fuel source for your brain. And what do you – okay, the the ultra keto, do you, do you just shovel those in your mouth with a spoon or do you mix them with like a beverage? Uh, just mix them, yep. Mix them into a drink. Take about half a scoop. Just mix it right into a drink, stir it up, mix it instantly, and just drink it back. Very simple to Damn. take. I, I really want to try this because I'll be honest. I, I don't think I've ever used MCTs because – all right. So I was – I had obviously – I had heard about MCT oil from – oh, from my, one of the people on the internet that's that's hawking it continuously. But then I I went on to – I went to PubMed and I went to a couple of other good, uh, no, 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 examine. I went to examine.com and they were talking about with MCTs that actually a lot of MCTs are, are really not worthwhile and that it's, there, there's a bit of deceptive marketing that's going on here um, that a lot of MCTs should probably just be left on the, the store shelves as opposed to mix mixed with everything yep i would totally agree i think like a lot of this i think a lot of the mcts out there are really junk and i don't know maybe other people out there would disagree with me but i think um i think using combinations with like these uh c10 and c12 they're just not as efficient they're just not some of these mcts some of these coconut oils people are using they're rancid like you put it in your mouth it tastes like acid that's not okay 
Yeah, I've been a digital nomad for about six, six years now. When I was in Colombia, I got, I was like really committed to learning the language. So I went through and I completed the entire Duolingo uh, wow. game for, for Spanish. And then I did about 11, I did about 11 personal lessons, like private one-on-one -on -one lessons. And that proved to be sufficient, I think, for for fluency, more or less. Uh, right. how, however, honestly, here here in Bulgaria, have you ever been here, by the way? <clears throat> no, nah, I've never been to Bulgaria, man. I'd love to go. Aha. Uh -huh. And you're from the UK originally, right? Originally from England, yeah. Aha. Uh -huh. You in in Bulgaria, I would I would go as far as to say that. They probably speak English better here than they do in some parts of the UK. I believe it. Um, Dude, some of these countries, man, it's amazing how well they speak, um, how well they speak English. You know, it's shocking. I, I don't know if you've ever talked to people, some of these people like in even like Africa and India and stuff like that, some of them speak amazing English. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the universal language. In fact, there's, there's there's like concern about languages going extinct because English is just like the the Google of languages, right? That's right, man. I think uh, I think at one point English was not it was like the fifth language, seventh language maybe that was spoke. Now because of just uh, Westernization, it's just insane. Yeah, I'm 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 curious. Did you okay? So when you moved to the U.S., did you did you did you conduct little like a little A/B split test to see if you get better reactions from people by doing the the king's the queen's English accent versus doing like a little bit more of a an average Joe American accent? It does. So I actually grew up speaking like Queen's English. Now my accent's like slurred. Like you'll notice it's like half American with like a hint of British, right? So it's kind of mixed. Like people think I'm from Boston or New York if I speak to them. But when I moved here, my accent was really strong. And, you know, people say they like your accent. But the truth is, is that it's inconvenient for people here. I'm not trying to trash the U.S. I'm just saying that people in the U.S. don't like accents. They like accents as long as they're convenient. The second that you say something that you that they can't understand, they immediately just like dislike like you. It's immediately just go back to your country. We hate it. So you know, if I, I went to a restaurant many times and said I want some water, water. I would say water. I still say water. Water. You know, and somebody would say, "What's that? We don't have it." I say, "No water." And you know, somebody might find it funny or humorous, or some girl's giggling and she likes it. She thinks this is cool. But then the you know, the, the person that's serving you at the restaurant just thinks you're just despicable and you just need to speak English. I've been told to speak English many times. Speak English, bro. Speak English. I'm like, water. I actually went to a Wendy's one time where I said, water, determined not to change. Oops. I was determined not to change because here we are in the United States, uh, the melting pot. We're a melting pot right here. So why should, should I change? Sorry, can you see me okay? Yep. Why should I change? And um, I said, water. And I said, no, I'm pretty sure you have it. And she's like, water. And then finally she said to me, I'm going to have to go get the manager. <laughs> so I said, fine, go get it. 
manager, right? The manager, manager shows up, manager says, what do you want? I said, well, so she says, we don't have that. So then I said, agua. Oh, no problem. So uh, it kind of shows me the state of where things are at, man. Okay, so with the with the MCTs, is there a big difference when you add the aminos to the MCTs when you're doing the intermittent daily fast? I think I think. I think people on low-carbohydrate amino diets are missing the boat when it comes to adding ketones and MCTs, and I think it's the opposite way around as well. I think people on ketogenic diets don't understand the relevance of using amino acids. So when it comes to ketogenic diets, you're on this really high-protein, high-fat diet, and a lot of people struggle to even get fiber and all this stuff. You know, Then they're taking like protein shakes, right? So the ketogenic diets can actually be pretty taxing on the digestive system. So the usage of amino acids... Uh, with ketogenic diets and uses of ketones and MCTs as well can actually be very synergistic effect because now you're taking in almost like taking in protein but having no digestion and very, very little calories. So like amino code by Ultrahuman only has 30 calories in it and it's literally just straight free-form amino acids in a very specific, unique ratio that's optimal for human muscle tissue. Um, and this way it can keep you in a muscle preservation state and, and avoid kind of dipping into any sort of catabolic state. And I, I also have like no digestion necessary. Um, I, I just think aminos mixed with ketones. This is why I actually built these two products together at the exact same time. And I flavored them with the exact same flavor profile. So you can even mix the two in the same glass or shake a bottle or, or whatever you drink out of. Um, so you can take a scoop of ketones and some aminos and it keeps you in a lot better muscle preservation state. Very, very, very synergistic whether you whether you buy my ultra products or not i highly recommend it if you're on a ketogenic diet to use amino acids okay so i'm also curious too looking at looking at your website the ultra keto is a bit a bit pricier than the amino code so if someone if someone couldn't if someone couldn't afford the ultra keto is is it still uh, very beneficial to do the amino code alone in combination with the intermittent daily fasting? 100%. So if you're on a budget, I actually work with a lot of people that, uh, that are on budgets and I don't, I don't hold any sort of judgment against that. I've, I've actually been broke a couple of times in my life and could not afford anything. Luckily, people are out there to help me. So we actually even work with people that have no budget that say, look, I cannot afford any of the supplements. And we say, look, whether you buy any of our products or not, we have a customer service representative that will actually help uh, walk you through an intermittent fasting uh, or ketogenic protocol with none of our products and actually do it for free, which is crazy. I actually don't know of any company that will work with you when you don't buy their products. But we're, yeah, we're a yeah, that's pretty unique. Yeah, we are first and foremost in, in education and a service. Um, we will really want to provide something valuable to the world with, with our 20 plus years of experience. And then secondary, we do offer people the tools. So I will give you three options. One option is that you can just use the amino code on an empty stomach uh, during intermittent fasting or ketogenic diets. Now, during an intermittent fasting period, you can just drink the aminos in the morning or the afternoon. And even though you are ingesting a very, very, very tiny amount of calories because there's no digestion process, it really doesn't mess with the whole intermittent fasting time much. So I think that can be really beneficial. 
The second option you can do is still get a bottle of ketones, the ultra keto plus MCTs. Um, you can really, really low dose the product. So it is a little bit pricey at 69 bucks for some people, but it is a full spectrum, uh, for all four ketogenic, uh, BHB salts in one product mixed with the pure C8 MCT. So it's a very comprehensive product. And that one product goes a long way. We have people that are cutting the product even into quarter servings and doing quarter servings once a day, rendering the product a 64 day supply or even doing a half serving a day, uh, which would uh, net you almost six grams of straight ketones plus the MCTs. And that would yield you a, a month. So it gets to be a point when you start thinning it out. The product is still extremely effective in very, very low doses. I actually only use our keto product um, a half serving a day. That's it. I don't even use a full serving of, of my own stuff uh, because it's that powerful. So uh, I recommend to people on a budget that uh, they could pick up the ultra keto and just do a half serving a day. Um, and the product would last them and, and it would only be costing them about $2 a day. Uh, if they broke it up into quarters, it would only be costing them about a dollar a day. The third option, Jonathan, is to uh, simply use a discount code. We offer offer discount codes all the time. Um, if you're tuning in right now, obviously I want to offer one to any of uh, Jonathan's, Jonathan's listeners. Uh, you can use Ultra limitless. 10. Um, or we have Limitless. Yep, we have Ultra 10 for 10% off, which is okay. Um, or you can also use Limitless, simply Limitless, and that will give you a full... $10 off any purchase. That is a nice code. So if you're buying Amino Code or you have interest in Amino Code, just type in Limitless in the promo code. It'll give you a flat $10 off today. You could pick up a bottle of Amino Code for $29.95 and free shipping as well. Or you could pick up a unit of the uh, Keto Plus MCTs for uh, $10 off and free shipping every day. Okay. That code limit, will be just limit, valid limit. for the uh, rest of the month. Okay, limitless, limitless ten, and it's it's my birthday month, so it's it's appropriate. It's appropriate that I would have something special to offer just this month. Um, so with the okay, I'm looking here on Amino Code at the ingredients, and it says coconut water. So is is it a beverage? It is a drink, so it's a powder. You just simply take uh, some of the aminos. You'll take uh, one serving of it. Throw it in water. You can use any amount of water to match your desired taste. It could be cold, room temperature, warm, whatever. Stir it up. It stirs instantly. And you can just drink it. It's a tasty beverage. Stuff tastes amazing. It tastes like Kool-Aid. Nothing artificial in it. It has no artificial sweeteners. We use a natural just stevia, a monk fruit, uh, to sweeten it. We have raspberry lemonade and dragonberry. Both taste exceptional. The coconut water is really in there for just uh, coconut water powder. It is a powdered version. It is in there for just like a natural hydration. We do combine that with uh, some mineral electrolytes, being uh, some magnesium, sodium, potassium, and so forth, uh, to help with uh, recuperation and also uh, any potential cramping for high training acts. Okay, so some people listening to this might be wondering, what's, what's, the, what's the difference between nootropics uh, from like a performance enhancement standpoint between nootropics and using these kind of like keto, I'm going to call them like keto boosters. Um, is they, and, and is there uh, different uh, benefits? And is there reasons why you would choose to go with a nootropic versus choosing to go with these, these keto booster things? 
So the best the best analogy I can give you is kind of like eating food um, versus like drinking a stimulant like coffee. Okay, so food will provide a caloric energy. There's actually some sort of a substance that food does provide energy in the way of like a caloric, uh, caloric, sustainable, you know, consumable. Um, caffeine, on the other hand, may have no calories in it, but it can act as a very powerful CNS stimulant, right? So nootropics don't really provide any sort of caloric benefits or nutritional value in most cases. Um, a lot of them do have long-term health benefits, uh, you know, to your brain or even to your physiological health, but they are ultimately just to get you in a state. Ketones, however, do have a caloric benefit and actually have like an energy expenditure benefit. So I would relate ketones to like a natural, like a natural like food source uh, that can enhance brain function because ketones are such a preferred fuel source for the brain. A lot of people don't know that, but everybody thinks about proteins, carbs, and fats. And, you know, carbohydrates being optimal for your brain or fats being optimal for your brain, you know, all these arguments, but ketones are really the preferred fuel source for the brain. Um, And that's why a lot of people that go on a ketogenic diet or very low carbohydrate diet even will notice going in and out of uh, ketosis that they they are functioning mentally um, at a very high level for long periods of time. And ketones are a have a satiety property, correct? Where they they uh, assuage food cravings for usually for I don't know. What do you find? How long does that effect last? Um, I think with most things, everybody's different with them. I think using ketones definitely can can allow you to go longer periods without food because it's such an efficient fuel source. In fact. Um, it's allowing people to go longer on many levels. Jonathan, I don't mean in the bedroom, but uh, I, do, <laughs> I do know that there are a lot of people that not only play sports, but even even divers right now. Um, if you're if you're big into like Ben Greenfield, for example, like he was actually talking about this recently, how a lot of people that are doing deep sea diving that are, or also people that are just doing like I don't know what you call it but it's diving where you're holding your breath ultimately for long periods of time two minutes three minutes five minutes almost almost suicide almost suicide exactly that they're they're using ketones and that it allows them to go longer periods they can hold their breath longer so um, I do think from an appetite suppressant and also just uh, a natural energy standpoint you can go a lot longer I think ketones mixed with aminos um, and that's specifically how we designed the Ultra Keto product and the AminoCo product. If you stack them, it will make your life doing intermittent fasting so much easier. And you will be able to go a lot longer without ingesting food, which you have to go through all this whole digestion process. Number two, it will allow you to get into a keto burning state faster and quicker. So there's a lot of benefits and still keep you functioning optimally. These are just tools. It doesn't mean that you have to have them. They just make your life easier. Because they're at your disposal, they're healthy products to use, um, and they don't have any side effects at all. So I think that they're valuable. I would highly recommend anybody try them out. Okay, so in regards to the the keto boosters, I've okay, so I, I looked around, I looked around PubMed, looked at some different studies, and I saw, for example, some human trials with um, it being real effective for people with epilepsy and I, I saw some like medicinal some medicinal uses of the of the aminos i'm curious what uh, what kind of case studies you're getting from your customers 
that are using these that might be interesting? So the keto product with what we've, we've launched so far, we get a lot of case studies. Uh, we get actually a lot of human reports, but they're all typically with ketosis. I, I will, I, there's so many people doing ketogenics right now that it's literally just flooded out people that buy products for maybe if they have, if they're epileptic, right? I'm sure that they're out there. We don't get a ton of feedback on that. I do get a lot of people using amino acids to give us feedback, uh, on multifaceted, uh, approaches, whether they're using it for, uh, bariatrics or using the product. We have people using it that are doing intermittent fasting with people using amino acids that are not doing anything other than just training and just trying to gain muscle mass. Uh, I have a dialysis patient that's a huge fan of the product. I have a guy that has MS that's a huge fan of the product. He said that he's noticed not only a, a huge increase in strength and recuperation, but he's also increased, uh, noticed a, a decrease in pain and actual any sort of like nerve agitation that he has. So I think that uh, there's a big merit specifically with amino acids. We're taking free form amino acids that when you provide your body all of these aminos in completely free form, you're basically saying, okay, here's like a sushi menu, okay, for your body. And here's, you know, you can literally pick one of this and one of that, one of that, whatever you might need. So one of the rare ingredients that we actually include um, in our amino acid, for example, is tryptophan. And uh, a lot of companies quit using tryptophan in their amino acids because of, you know, uh, insurance issues and that the government put a smackdown on tryptophan for really just a ridiculous reason a long time ago. But tryptophan is very responsible for, for your like natural serotonin levels. So I even noticed that people that may be tryptophan deficient or people that may suffer a little bit from even depression notice they start drinking amino acids. And uh, when they're using a complex like amino code, they even notice their mood elevated. So I'm certainly not pitching amino code as some sort of a miracle product, but I am saying that whether you are doing intermittent fasting or ketogenic diets, which is all a huge trend right now, there are actually just – you're also providing yourself with raw materials for your body for any other usage that it may be needing and anything else that it may be deficient in. There's a couple of reasons why these these keto boosters are are attractive to me and why I'm I'm interested in why I'm quite interested in trying them. You know, I for for better or worse, I've kind of built my reputation as like the smart drugs guy on 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 the internet. And so because I do use like different smart drugs with with some regularity, I'm uh, I'm increasingly kind of concerned about, I, I don't want to wear out really, I, I don't want to wear out specific neurobiological pathways for performance enhancement. So I think about like, if I'm going to use, okay, if I'm going to use paracetam, if I'm going to have like a day where I do a lot of paracetam, because I don't know, maybe I have like important sales meetings that day. And I really want my verbals to be like really fired up and on point. Or maybe I have like a, a 10 hour travel day and I want to do some modafinil. So I'm like really like alert and paranoid about people stealing my backpack off the bus that whole day long or whatever. So I like these keto boosters are interesting to me because they, they work via a mechanism that isn't competing with and isn't also desensitizing some of these other 
neuron receptor sites that I'm, that I'm, you know, that are getting a lot of action because of my smart drug usage. And I, I can't, I can't see any, I can't see anything other than an upside of combining them with all of the other types of like positive, positive habits like the meditation and the dual end back and doing exercise and uh, these, all these other positive, positive habits. So I, I see it as something that's just really kind of additive to my, my biohacker cabinet. I don't see it as something like, like, you know, like certain, certain smart drugs, you need to be like really careful about not combining them with with other things like if you if you're taking like oh if you're taking like a like some 5-htp and some some saint john's ward if you're taking like a couple of different things that increase serotonin you like you're actually playing with your life a little bit because if you get just if you get too much serotonin that serotonin syndrome will will kick in and you may have a really terrible day or it may even it may even kill you so some of these some of these uh smart drugs that are are thought of as like relatively benign like thing even things like 5-htp that you can buy at god virtually virtually any grocery store almost like that that stuff can actually kill you if you combine it with uh the wrong things that are are in a lot of people's uh bathroom cabinets it's nasty stuff, Jonathan. Like absolutely nasty. Like, I'm not a big fan of 5-HTP. Um, specifically, I, I, I couldn't explain the mechanism exactly to you, but specifically in men, a lot of men that I've seen that take 5-HTP get insane depression off of it. Um, some women fare a little bit better, but even off of low milligrams, I have not felt good using even 50 milligrams of 5-HTP. And this is something that you can go to Walmart and buy right now. So I am a bigger fan of specifically just tryptophan because your body may not overdo it like it will 5-HTP. But I agree with you. I think ketones are extremely safe. Um, we were very particular when I put this uh, Ultra Keto product together to make sure that uh, you know the product was very user-friendly and simple to use, and it was powerful even using a small amount. So, you know, and obviously everything that we do with the Ultra Human brand, we want to make the absolute safest, safest product. That's why our cow nootropic is extremely clean, but it's very, very effective. Our ultra keto, same way, extremely effective. Our amino code is one of the only amino acids in the world that follows this very specific ratio of amino acids for maximal effectiveness. You've got to be really careful with anything you're using. I cannot, re I cannot stress this enough. I mean, I'm a guy that's used, um, I mean, everything from anabolics, recreational things. I mean, I've, I've tried a lot of stuff, and I've, I've done it more for interest in my life to see how things feel like. I have a firm belief that you could spend your entire life building a car but you could never really understand the car until you drove it. And that's always been my philosophy when it comes to supplements is let's drive the car. Let's see what it can do. And at the end result of it is, you know, will a shot of testosterone kill you? Probably not. Will a shot of insulin kill you? Very likely it could. Um, so people that are messing with insulin, insulin is actually easier to get the testosterone and it runs like a higher risk. So when there are products like ketones that are extremely safe um, that you can use with things like parastam that are really safe, and Tau Ultra that's extremely safe, you can get um, some insane cognitive enhancement um, with over-the-counter products and have very, very little, if no side effects at all. 
stacking these products. And that, again, is what we're looking for long term. A lot of your listeners may be in their 20s. I mean, you guys might live to your 90 to 100 years old. You might have another 70, 80, 90 years of your life to go. And you've got to start thinking a lot more neuroprotective when it comes to uh, any of these these substances you're putting in your body. Yeah, guys, think think long term. Okay, so <laughs> me and you could me and you could go down a bunch of rabbit hills and uh, and and talk all day. But I I want to I think I want to end this podcast by uh, just urging people to check out the the article that I did on this the the ultra human protocol and. And we, I, I go more in depth into everything we discussed here. And also, th there may be some skeptical people out there that, you know, hear some of the things that we're describing and they're like, okay, I want to see the human placebo controlled trials that are backing up what these guys are talking about. And I've listed, I think, almost all the studies um, that would that would back up what we're what we're discussing here. So so those more meticulous, rigorous, uh, critical thinkers are definitely going to want to check out that that uh, that article that I'll, I'll link to everywhere that I put this podcast out. And then I also included on that uh, it is it is a protocol. So I included a weekly kind of like a weekly list of kind of like like to do's on the different on the different day on the on the different weeks going going through uh, four going through four weeks and also kind of just like some things to expect as people are going through this this protocol because I've done. I've done these these sprints several times now. We were talking about digital nomad stuff a little bit earlier, and you know I've I've traveled the world for about six years. I've lived in six different countries, and I've gotten in this kind of pattern where when I arrive when I arrive in a brand new country, I'll do a little bit of a I'll do a sprint like this. Usually it's not like a 90 day sprint. A lot of times it's just like a 30 day sprint, but I'll have kind of like my objectives. Like, okay, I've arrived in a new country. I want to find a place to live, find a place to hang out with, find some friends, meet some girls, you know, I, I, and I want to be productive in business, of course. But, and I'll have like a, sometimes it'll just be like two weeks, but I've done this, this sprint thing in combination with nootropics a bunch of different times and doing these kind of like intensive periods followed by like some followed by like some rest and relaxation and even some indulgence if in in whatever it is that you want to indulge in uh it really is like a good uh a good way to live a good way to live life so i hope that people check out that uh that article and and we'll you know we'll do a downloadable version of it also cuz some people might find it some people might find it helpful. And oh, did you see the latest version of the infographic for it? Yes, looks awesome. Okay, looks awesome. great. Definitely, uh, guys, follow that infographic. That's something that uh, Jonathan put together. It looks unbelievable. I highly recommend giving it a whirl. Cool, cool. So the the the, the one thing I'd like to to pitch anybody listening out there regarding this infographic and giving it a whirl is is really just. For lack of a better term, just grab your balls and do it. Um, I, I can't reiterate enough. If you if you if you listen to this whole podcast and since the beginning, you'll, you'll notice we've kind of gone through a lot of trends 
you, you see all these things come and go. You know, you, you see a lot of we're talking about things like smart drugs, talking about ketosis diets, talking about all this stuff. Literally, like five percent of the listeners right now may actually take action and try something. Um, there was a viral video I'd like to bring up that was online by a woman called Mel Robbins, and she was uh, if, you, if you guys have seen that, I think it was on Impact Theory or something. But Mel Robbins was talking about how she saw uh, a space shuttle one day take off and that she was in her 40s and that she was massively depressed. And so she, she looked up one day, she was looking at the TV and some space shuttle took off. And she said, for some reason, it just inspired her with this countdown, this, you know, five, four, three, two, one countdown. And then she just took off and she said, I'm not going to quit complaining. I'm actually going to go and take the action and do it. And that's the one thing I recommend. You know, sometimes action isn't even always physical. It could be as simple as, you know, throwing some music in and just thinking about things that you really need to work on. It could be even be taking action, taking a vacation. So it's not always about go, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle. Sometimes it's about proactively making the decision to change really where you're at. Um, obviously, definitely check out our website, theultrahuman.net. Again, that's theultrahuman.net. Use Jonathan's code if you'd like to uh, try any product up there. It is limitless10. It's limitless10, and that will give you $10 off any purchase you want so you can get $10 off the amino code uh, human muscle tissue ratio amino acids or you can get $10 off of our ultra keto if you'd like to t- try the Tau ultra nootropic if you're a fan of nootropics definitely try that out uh, it gives you free shipping every day and uh, certainly reach out to us we're here to help whether you whether you purchase our products or, or not we're here to assist in any way we want to see the world push forward in the right direction we want to get people in a healthier mindset and a healthier lifestyle and uh, Jonathan I know you're here to do the same <laughs>